Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The NBA and college basketball are back. The NFL and college football playoffs are right around the corner. With all these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in. So if you're thinking about picking the Lakers to repeat their NBA championship, or someone to upset the 14-1 Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, you need to go to betonline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Believe in Northwestern Football podcast, a podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? I am Peter Warren. I am joined once again by my co-host, former All-Big Ten receiver Jeremy Ebert. Jeremy, a, a rough finish for in the Big Ten championship game after you know Northwestern up at the half. You know, what what are you sort of your what were you sort of feeling after that game ended? It was tough, tough pill to swallow for sure, Peter. I think uh, you know, first half we we looked like we we had it. Um, you know, like we said, we were talking about it. Uh, earlier, it was just, you know, we just weren't able to finish. And, um, you know, the turnovers at the end of the game, you know, kind of just kind of just ran away with it there. But um, overall, I think, you know, you, you got to be proud of the performance, man. They played their hearts out, um, gave it everything they had. You know, we just we just fell short to a, Definitely. a very talented a, team. A great way to put it. You know, there was no no shame in losing that game. You know, you know, it's it's always tough to lose. But I mean, the team fought really hard. They didn't give up. It was just, as you mentioned, a few turnovers and this is something you know going into the game it was if you in most situations no matter whether you're playing Ohio State or you know a, a non you know a team not as good turnover battle is going to be crucial and key no matter what and at the end of the day you know the turnovers really you know and Trey Sermon some of the other things but the turnovers are really a difference in what especially flipping that game on its head. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I was just I was impressed of, of how we attacked and, and contained Justin Fields. I think our defensive game plan, like we we played awesome. You know, obviously giving up the rushing that we did, it, it just didn't really seem to hurt us until the end. I just think how we attacked and, and contained Justin Fields was just a, a, a thing of beauty. And you got to take your hats off to our defense and Mike Hankowitz and, and the game plan they put together. But um, and our offense looked great. We were moving the ball like it was. It was the best first half we had played, I think, as a whole. You know, and um, you know, you just weren't able to finish. But definitely something to like build on and and grow because we're definitely. right there. And we're so close. you know, you mentioned sort of the offense playing really well. It's such a, a weird game in that regard because it felt like Northwestern had all these things going for them, but a couple of you know, you know, an injury to Jake Saunders actually didn't help with trying to stop the run. I just felt like a couple of things just compounded themselves that early on weren't big issues, but then just sort of snowballed into stuff that just couldn't be stopped at the end of the day. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think we, we just ran out of gas, man. You know, we threw everything we had at him and we ran out of gas. And uh, But, I mean, so freaking proud 
you know, to be a Wildcat and to watch that performance, man, they just just a little short. And I think that's something they're going to grow on to know, like, hey, we were this close to being a Big Ten champs, you know, like that's how close we were. So it's just it's definitely something that we can grow on and learn from and, and just know that we're, we're so close to being that team. So um, it was, you know, it, it, you hate to see a loss, but at the end of the day, you, you got to just take your hats off to the performance that they put out there. And I think the whole country saw that when, you know, they stayed 14. They didn't drop in the polls. Like, they earned that spot. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. I mean, you know, I think if you're looking going forward, you're going to really talk thing about this game from a Western perspective. It won't even be sort of the loss or sort of how it happened. I think, you know, a talking point for years to come is going to be just how how well Northwestern's defense just shut down Justin Fields. I mean, in the Indiana game, he didn't look great great either, but he was still, you know, you know, throwing for big. He was still making big plays. In this game, I mean, 12 for 27 passing the ball for 114 yards. I mean, two interceptions. RCB, you know, almost had as many receiving yards as Fields had passing the ball the entire game. You know, on the ground, he had one you know, big, big run. But other than that, wasn't much going on. You, you, you we talked about this before, but like the, the defense performance against him is something the hang, hang your hat on, not just for, you know, Coach Hank, you know, in his swan song, hang out soon. We're also just for, you know, you want to talk about a team, a team with playmakers, a team with defense and something that has been talked about, you know, slighted Northwestern all year. I mean, this is a guy who could go number two overall in the draft and he was just a Northwestern defense just, shut him down completely it was, it was just a testament to how good our defense really is we came up on playing on the biggest stage of the year and against arguably one of the best players in college football and and we really showed what we were made of and i just you got to tip your hats to man i was super proud of the performance we put out there and i think this game will be critically important when looking at recruiting going forward on the defensive side of the ball see like a team that can play you want to be on one of the best defense in the country you know and it was right on you know fox at noon you know fewer few stages bigger and brighter than that and it just sort of i think something great for the team to really hold its hat on and, and show some pride and you know even though you know on, on the flip side the running game trey sermon really went off but you mentioned this earlier it was it was weird in the fact that it didn't feel like he really took control of the game until late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, when, you know, just the wear and tear of, you know, a couple of turnovers, first and forcing defense back on the field quickly sort of seemed to tire, tire the entire defense down. He just started to run rampant. Yeah. No, that was the thing. is like you really – you couldn't – like I didn't feel like it watching the game that he was taking over or really controlling the game that much. It just – at the end of the game, like you said, those turnovers just kind of killed us. It like deflated us. Our defensive was exhausted at that point. You know, we just couldn't keep up. But yeah. I mean, if you think about our pro, like just think about how far our programs come, man. We two of the past three years we're in the Big Ten championship game. Like the only other team that can say that is Ohio State. Like we're we're right there, man. We're so close to being like a top national team every year. So it's just. It's, it's awesome to see the program and where it is and how far it's come. And I think that's sort of a great way to, you know, look at it. It's like here are these, these stepping stones, right, sort of rising in the ranks. And, you know, for some of the Blue Bloods, they can probably skip a few of them. But for, I mean, it's a weird comparison. But, I mean, Clemson, you know, now one of the, you know, greatest programs in the country, 
I mean, a few years ago, they were sort of doing similar things. You know, they had to keep making those steps up. You know, it was, first it was Taj Boyd, then Deshaun Watson, now Trevor Lawrence. You can sort of see the progression of, you know, ACC contender, ACC favorite, to now, you know, one of the greatest programs in the country. And, you know, it took a few years for that to happen. And I think, you know, obviously a very smaller and different scale with, with Northwestern and what's dealing with, and, you know, the academics and sort of different stuff than what at Clemson. But, I mean, you want like you want to see tangible steps towards you know becoming a you know a bigger you know program you know reaching those top levels being consistently you know ranked in the top 25 and at top 15. I mean, you know, you're gonna lose even a, a loss like this helps progress you because it becomes the norm, it becomes the standard. And it was something the guys were talking about before it was like two years ago. We were happy to be there. You know, it was sort of a little shell shock. Like, it was cool to be there. This year, that wasn't the case. And you could see it from the way they came out, the way they prepared, and the way they, they executed on the field. Oh, I think you knew right at the first drive, man. Like, that, that first drive, I was just like, yes. Like, they were they were not gun-shy at all. They freaking just handled business. It was – I'm like, yes, this is how it should be. We should come out and smack them in the mouth. And it was awesome to see, man. But you just knew right, right at the first snap, man, we came ready to play. And it, it, it's just, it's great, man. It, it's, it's great for our program. And I honestly, like you said, recruiting, I think it's going to help tremendously. I mean, that first drive, just I want to talk about that a little bit. Cause that, you were right about that. That was a, that was a, a punch right in the mouth. That was, you know, a, a stunner to Ohio state. And I mean, being in the building, they didn't know what it, to do. It was, I mean, I mean, you just, that was the best the offense has looked the entire season. That is sort of like when if you were imagining what Mike Bajakin was going to bring to the offense, it was that drive. It was quick pace. It was getting the ball into the hands of playmakers. It was just every single play, you know, came out, you know, not just sort of with, with, with a purpose, but it came out to stun, the, uh, stun Ohio State and show them what, what this team is, poss- is possible of doing. And it was just so much fun to watch. It was just so great to watch. And you know, they couldn't sustain it all the way the rest of the game, but they had similar stuff that made you believe that this can be not just a, a one-drive thing, but a multiple-drive thing going forward. Absolutely, dude. They, they came out and they, they played like, you know, we all knew we were capable of playing, but we just haven't really put it all together. And that first drive, everything was perfect, man. And, um, you know, you just got to you gotta, you gotta tip your hats. The whole team came ready to play. And, um, you know, we fell short, but dude, like you said, now that's the standard, you know, that now is the norm. So I just think we're just going to grow from this. We're just going to get better and better and better. And, uh, we just gotta, we gotta hang on to fits so with all these rumors on ESPN. I don't like it, but that, that's the, uh, that's the key to the pudding right there, man. He is, he's the one holding it all together. So with Hank leaving, we need fits. Yeah, I know that about that. I mean, it's weird with all the, all the fits rumors. Cause usually you know, they're always sort of coming out, you know, around this time, especially, you know, two years ago was classic example with, with, with the Packers. But, I mean, it, I think it does feel a little different now. You know, it is potentially the Bears job, the one job that, you know, everybody seems to say, you know, it's the one job he wouldn't, wouldn't you know, say no to. Because, like, some of the other jobs, like, I don't see him taking the Jets job. I don't, I don't think the Jets job is better than what he has at Northwestern. You know, the Panther, like, there's some other jobs there. just sort of like, I don't see what he could do. But the Bears would scare me a little bit. I don't think he leaves. But I think that's sort of the one job, whether it's 
this year or 10 years or how many years down the line. That's like, in my mind, the one job that could really, at this point, pull him away from, from Evanston. Yeah, I know. And it is interesting, though, because, you know, Phillips leaves become the ACC commissioner. Hank's retiring. You know, it's if, if it were to happen, I think this is where I see it happening because all of the big components that made this program so special now are, are leaving. So it's just, you know, he's, he's got a lot, to, a lot to think about. But tell you what, man, I, I, I hope to God he stays. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it would be there's a sort of a lot of in a year where there's been so much sort of turmoil just across the globe and so many changes happening. I mean, at, for Northwestern, it really wouldn't it'd come at a, at a worse time. You mentioned Jim Phillips leaving. You mentioned Hank leaving. You know, that Morty Shapiro, the president of Northwestern, has been at the institution for, you know, about 11 going on his 12th year next year. I mean, university presidents, you know, he's reaching the usual end time of when university presidents leave. I know his contract's up. I think a year or two. So interesting to see, you know, if if he's gonna stay around longer, he's gonna he's gonna you know walk out soon. So it's just like there's a lot of questions and a lot of you know potential changes occurring. You know, not just in the football program, but across the entire you know university landscape. And it'd be really interesting, you know, to have Fitz, and who's in my mind the national symbol of Northwestern of what it can be, of of its greatness, have him leave at such a, a volatile time where you don't have an AD, you don't have a defensive coordinator. And I'm not sure if you really have, you know, somebody ready to step into that head coach's role within the program. Because, I mean, I think he's mentioned, you know, there's some guys in there who want to be future head coaches, but I don't know if any of them are, are ready to take over this Northwestern program at this exact moment. No, and I, like you said, man, just the year it is and, so many moving parts i just don't think our program could really sustain that like it's there would be a huge drop off from you know this year to next year if, if we don't have the, the main man there but i mean he is everything that is northwestern he's everything that's great about it he he's genuinely probably one of the best people i've ever had the pleasure of meeting so and knowing and uh yeah it would be it would be a huge loss for for that institution to, for northwestern to, to lose mm. someone like that and i mean you know, it's crazy to think about, you know, at least in, in, in my in my life that I can remember, you know, Fitz has been there 15 years, you know, I'm 22 years old. I can't remember Northwestern without Pat Fitzgerald. I can't, you know, even in my earliest memories of Northwestern before I ever wanted to go, before I even really had a, a comprehension of what it was, like, he's always been there. And I think for a lot of people, you know, whether it's recruits or just even, you know, people who are probably even around your age, you know, probably remember a little bit of Randy Walker but it's been it's been fits forever and sort of lose somebody like that with so much just tied to the university it can really you know especially when it can be tough to hire somebody who could fill his shoes it's gonna be really it'd be truly devastating to try to come back from that especially if you can't and you sort of lose all this momentum that has been building for for years to for years Oh, I mean, you got to think of where the program was when he got it and where it is now with just the facilities, the the atmosphere, like the fan base, like he, it, what it was to what it is now is it's crazy. Uh, and, and you got to you got to tip your hat. It, it, he's the main man behind it, you know, pushing the sled like so. Yeah. And, and just, you know, there's a reason his name's on the side of this, 
stadium. He, he is the man. He is Northwestern. And uh, I, I just would hate to see him go. Yeah. I mean, I, I like I said, I, I don't think he goes. I think he still feels there's unfinished business here. You know, I think he really wants to win a Big Ten title before he goes. I really think he, he potentially wants a Rose Bowl appearance before he goes, especially... You know, considering that he didn't, he wasn't able to play in that in that Rose Bowl. I think he would he would have a tough time. And I don't I don't know this. I haven't talked to him. Obviously, he would never even say this to to you know the media or anybody like me. But like, I think stuff like that really motivates him. And I think he really wants those opportunities. And I also think he wants a chance to you know coach his kids. You know, his his oldest one is a 16. I believe he's a sophomore in high school. You know couple years he'll he'll be you know going to college i think those are things he wants and i think those things especially for you know a family man like him a guy who's very big into his morals and his values i think opportunities like that hold more sway than maybe you know the glitz and glamour of and money of a big nfl job where he's already making a lot of money here he's got job security for life he's you know living close to his, his family he has everything he could really want Plus, these things potentially coming along the way as future motivators. I think it's, you know, I, I don't think he leaves, but I just, and I think those are sort of things that are make are still convincing even with some of these changes happening that he's not going to leave. I, I hope you're right, man. I don't want him to leave either. I just think right now is like if he does leave, you can't really fault him. It's like the perfect storm, you know. Hmm. But you know, it's 2020, man. You don't know what's going to happen. It's a hell of a hell of a strange year for everybody. So, and, and, like, and like you said there, you know, there's no. I don't think anybody, you know, within the program, outside the program, would fault him if he left. I mean, he's done more than, you know, anybody else probably could have done for his program. You know, there there is there people will be sad. Don't get me wrong; they'll be devastated if he leaves. But nobody's gonna hold any ill ill will or, or begrudgment towards him if he if he moves on to something else no you, you can't that man has done so much for this program it would be unfortunate and yeah you, we would definitely be sad but you can't argue with that you, like his decision that that's his and his alone mm-hmm. speaking of you know people who are leaving and transitioning here you know after the big 10 championship a couple of you know you always expect transfers especially you know in today's college football world and this even today's global world you know with people probably you know there's always the assumption there's gonna be a lot of transfers this year people moving want to be closer to home you know different opportunities with you know extra years and we got we got some answers you know earlier this week we have six guys off this team who are going to be who have entered the the transfer portal plus greg newsom declaring for the nfl draft you know it's, it's a it's a real interesting mix of six people some guys who if you're going to asked me to guess who would be transferring I would have said yes others you know more surprising you know offensively Kyrick McGowan is going to be a grad transfer Isaiah Bowser is going to be a grad transfer Malik Washington is going to be transferring and then on defense side of the ball Ecu Leota uh, Gunnar Maldonado and, and Jeremiah McDonald are going to be are transferring out like I said an interesting gr- group you know Jeremy is there anyone in there that really sticks out to you as surprising or, or you know there's obviously, obviously hates the Andes guys leave but is there anyone that really surprises you I think McGowan is, is my is my big one that you just kind of you know scratch your head out just because he was they tried to get him 
involved in, in the game in so many different ways. Um, it surprised me. But, um, yeah, I mean, you hate to see everyone go, but, you know, with this year being as crazy as it was, you know, you kind of understand, you know, or at least you kind of you kind of understand, like, reasonings behind it. But I think McAllen's that's super surprising to me. Yeah, no, definitely – you know, definitely seeing that one, that one was a little surprising, especially you mentioned, like, he was the focal point of the offense this year. He was, you know, Mike Pajakin had said, I want to get the ball into the hands of, of, of our, our playmakers. He was number one on that, on that playmaker list. They got him ball in so many different ways. It was interesting to see him go. I can, I think it's sort of in a, eh, somewhere to Bennett Skoranek last year, you know, maybe trying to, like, you know, when you when you spend four years at a place, and you're sort of already expecting to go after that fourth year, and then something changes, and you and you have a chance to go, and you know you feel sort of like you're already on your way out, but you don't really want to go. You know you don't you don't feel you're ready for a next step, something like that. And I mean, in a case like Bennett, the situation has worked out great for him. He's been you know a focal point in Notre Dame's offense. He's going to be in the college football playoff. So it's been nice to see him you know succeed. And I think it's it's a similar situation for for Kyrick. You know maybe wanting to go closer to home in Georgia, you know, get a, get a chance to play in a, a different environment and improve his draft stock. And, you know, if, it, if, if it's case or something different, I respect him no matter what. He's been a great player for Northwestern for four years. And like you said, it's going to be sad to not see him involved in the offense next year. Yeah, no, and you, and you make a great point, man. Like, you got to look at the success, you know, Skoranek had at Notre Dame this year. And, and he's playing in the college football, you know, playoff, you know. You know, ideally – that's where Northwestern is in the future, but we're not there right now. So, you know, if, if it's going to, if it's, it's going to benefit him, I'm all for it, man. But you got to just think like he, you don't know if he's going to be a focal point in, in another offense, you know, you just, you have no idea. So it's just, it's a big risk in my opinion for him. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I support him. I mean, he's done everything we've asked for him in Northwestern. And yeah. And I think that's, that's gotta, a great you know, point. Hope, so I didn't even, th- I didn't even think about that. You know, what, Part of Ben's success is that he's been, you know, he hasn't been the main focal point, I'd say, that Notre Dame offense. But, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a starter out wide. They look for him in big touchdown situations. I mean, he had three touchdowns a few weeks ago, few weeks ago in the first half. Like, he's getting not – he might not be, you know, the number one guy in Notre Dame's offense, but he's a starter. He's playing almost every rep. He's getting opportunities. He's scoring touchdowns. He's making the most of his moment. You know, there's no guarantees that Kyrick – could get the the same situation he might you know he probably deserves to be a, a key focal point you know and no matter what what team he's playing on but it, you're right there is a risk there where it, it, it maybe it just doesn't work out he doesn't fit in as well and you know for as many people as we've seen you know succeeding with with these transfers for a guy like bennett who i think is interesting where it's like his move could really impact northwestern down the line where you see a lot of players grad transferring you know to fill you know Power five programs, even Payne Ramsey looking at of Peyton going to different place. It'd be interesting to see, you know, if Kyra can, and I, and I hope he does because, you know, he's a good guy and he deserves right. you know, to do what's best for him. But it'll be interesting to see if he can get that opportunity somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it like, it, it's, it's a gamble. And you, you hope it pays out. It, it works well, and you know, in his favor. But you just there's so much unknown, and you know, it's just uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. One that's really surprised me more was 
with Eculiota, you know, entering entering the portal, and that really surprised me for for a lot of reasons. First of all, I mean, he was, you know, he wasn't a starter this year, but I mean, he was sort of that that third defensive end you bring in past situations, and he was outstanding in that role. I mean, that Purdue game was one of the best defensive performances by a, by a player the entire season, regardless of of position. I mean, he was gonna. Be, I thought he was gonna be, he was gonna start opposite, you know. Uh, Atomo Adebore, you know, next year I thought he was going to be a starter for two years. He's going to make a name for himself. I mean, he was third team All Big Ten this year. He was very close with Hank. You know, there he helped him through some some difficult times, and he's talked about that before. So you know, it raised. It, I think it, honestly, it might be. Yeah, I mean, he he's interesting as well because he was also an early enrollee. He enrolled in the winter of, of 2018. So even though he's you know, a, a redshirt sophomore. He's pretty much been on campus the same amount of time as as, as a senior, like Kyrick. So it'd be it's interesting. It's like, you know, how much of stuff like that could affect. Because I know he was also really close friends with some of the guys in the grade above who might be who might be you know moving on as well to the NFL or, or graduating. So it's just interesting to see like how these dynamics are going to be are be playing out in a year like this, where you know you talk about a guy like Hank leaving, you know. You know, not being able to see family as much. There's so many, like, or even a situation where there's a lot of questions and you can be like, yeah, you know, Hank leaving probably plays could play a big factor. But there's probably also a lot of other things going on that we just don't know and probably won't know. And it might seem shocking, you know, on, on the surface level, but there's always, and I'm, I'm sure you know about this, there's always so much more going on and, you know, all these players' lives, no matter, you know, not just Eku, but all of these guys are transferring, all the guys who aren't transferring, that, you know, fans, media, people outside the program are just never going to know. And so in that situation, you just sort of have to, you know, again, hope he's, believe he's doing what's best for him and, you know, wish him the best. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what, the, this year has been so freaking weird with everything that's gone on these these guys have lived in a bubble basically for a year. They haven't been able to do anything. So it's just it it just like you have no idea what's going on in their heads and like and what you know what their problems are. So yeah, you you like you said man, you you hope he's doing what's best for him and his family and he's making the right decision. You know, it's going to be terrible. We're going to miss him. Um but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what what losing Hank is going to do for no doubt you know, about our that. defense. Maldonado and and uh, McDonald, not really, you know, big contributors. Neither one really played much, you know. Bowser was interesting in my mind because, you know, he's obviously with a big focal point as a freshman, another early enrollee. So, you know, despite being a, a true junior, he's ac- he can he can academically graduate and have, you know, a, be a grad transfer, which I guess really doesn't matter as much in this year as it would in others. But he was interesting, but I guess not really surprising in my mind because he had fallen down the pecking order. They had some, they have some good running back recruits coming in, and I really couldn't see him, you know, you know, starting over Cam Porter going forward, or you know, I think even, you know, compared to like guys like Drake and and Evan Hull, he doesn't provide as much of a of a differential where like Drake is so shifty and so good at the backfield to go in horizontally, and Evan Hull is just, you know, a classic third down back glue guy. I just. I feel like Bowser sort of saw that there wasn't his role was gonna a big question mark going forward, 
And I think you just sort of decide to start fresh, which, you know, something, again, yeah, I respect. You just got to do his best for him. That's just a, that's a very, like, talented big group where if you, if you want to get a bunch of touches, you know, it's going to be tough because you got a lot of guys that are, that are right there nipping at your heels to get in. So, you know, you, you kind of saw it coming. But again, you know, you, you, you hope he finds success in the next, you know, the next school he goes Definitely. to. And then, you know, one, one, one more, just like Malik Washington, you know, wide receiver, a guy who for the past two years, uh, you know, people have been raving about him and how good he is and how productive he is. And, you know, to see him go is, in my mind, you know, really, I'm just really sad about that one because I thought he had a chance to really these next two two or three years be a, a great playmaker, a great yeah, I thought he was gonna you know, if Riley goes, you know, he'd be moving to that slot role. I thought he'd be I think he'd be excellent. And it's just sort of sad to see him also want to move on. Yeah, that that was a that was I think a like pretty surprising to me because of just how much we've heard about him. Um but again, like it's it's interesting because so many people could be leaving with Riley and RCB. You're just like, all right, like, who's going to step up? And you thought he was going to be that next guy. And, you know, unfortunately, he's, he's going to leave. And, you know, it's, it's sad to see. But, you know, we're going to have some we've got some talented recruits coming in. And we got some guys that, that are going to need to step up next no year. No doubt about sure. that. And you also mentioned a, a great point there, you know. You know, the guys who might come back, like, they probably have some ideas, but I mean, I assume they, they don't really, they don't know also, and the coach staff doesn't know, and the other players don't know. So if you're in a situation where you're not really sure if, if you'll be playing, you throw in the facts of, you know, being in a bubble, you know, what this what this pandemic has meant for, you know, suing people mentally, physically, emotionally, you know, it's not surprising there, there were this many transfers. I know there are some people sort of reading into it as, as Fitz leaving, but I think it's just more of the year we're dealing with and everybody dealing with their own things and just sort of trying to figure out what's best for them, how they can, you know, live the best lives they want to live. And, you know, every, like you said, everybody, you know, you don't really hear many bad words at all about, about Fitz. He's so universally beloved and the, the players coming out, you know, aren't, you know, there's no rumors of them everybody being mad. It's just sort of like sometimes these things don't work out, whether it's, you know, football wise mentally emotionally and you know you just you hope they find something they they can find something that's good for them and helps them live their best life because even though they aren't going to you know graduate with northwestern degree and graduate as wildcats they, they're they'll probably be a part of the program and you don't want to see anybody who dedicated themselves whether it was just for one year or four years you know not, not to find success elsewhere Absolutely, man. I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's it's you know, with the year being it is like it, it's it's weird and like like you said, I don't think it's a sign that that Fitz is leaving. I, I think it's just the year we're in and and the emotions that these kids are going through. It's 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 unreal. I mean, you, you're not a normal college student anymore. It's you're living in a bubble. You can't do anything. So it takes your it's got to take your toll mentally, like mentally on them and. They got a lot of lot dealing with that we don't know about. So we, you know, you gotta wish for their best success and you know hope they find whatever they're looking mm-hmm. for, you know, somewhere else. Yep. I mean, I think we can all all agree on that. You know, be- before you know, before we go, you know, we also got I feel like talk about Greg Newsom, the Clarence for the NFL draft. You know, a fellow guy like 
like Bowser, he was an early enrollee, so I believe he's going to be graduating with his, his degree in, in three years, you know. First junior to declare, I believe, since Darnell Autry back in 1996. I mean, again, one of those situations where, you know, maybe he, he comes back from an extra year, he improves his draft stock. But, you know, he's being rated as a top 100 guy. You're going to leave with your degree. Again, Fitz, Fitz told him to go, and, I, you know, I think he's going to be a great NFL cornerback, and it's just, you know, you hate to see him go for the sake of his defense because he could have, you know, been, you know, absolute lockdown next year and potentially, you know, a Jim Thorpe, you know, award nominee. But, you know, he's obviously, again, doing what's best for him, and there's nothing else you can say other than wish you luck and we're rooting for you. Yeah, exactly, man. I mean, I think, I, honestly, I think it's a smart decision on his part just to stay healthy. And right now, man, he's, he's the guy. Like, he's the, the best corner in the Big Ten by far. And I, I don't think his draft stock can improve any more than it is. I think it's just like, honestly, a smart decision by him. And I wish him all the best. He's going to go out with a degree and, you know, get drafted in the NFL and hopefully play a long, healthy career. But, um, yeah, it's, I mean, he's obviously going to be missed. But, I mean, smart I think one of the on saddest part, parts man. about seeing him go is, is the fact that, you know, he, he has dealt with injuries the past, you know, all three seasons he's played. So even though he's leaving – you know, as a first-team All-Big all Ten cornerback, you know, a potential, uh, you know, guy we could see on some All-American lists, you know, we f- I feel like we still never got to get the full Greg Newsom experience. I mean, he, he missed the first two games of the season and then came on just the way he did, which was incredible. But it's just, I feel like we could have really, you know, a few more games that Greg Newsom would have been awesome to see, to see him, you know, get a couple of those big matchups like, you know, this Minnesota, you know, Obviously, Bateman went out, but Bateman versus Newsom would have been, you know, so much fun to watch. Or him last year versus, versus Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota. I mean, there's just oh, yeah. – he's going to be great in the NFL. He's going to be so fun to watch him there. But, like, there were some matchups that I'm just going to, you know, sad not to be able to see him do here for Northwestern. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's fun when you have a lockdown corner, man, because you take a guy out of the game, basically – he was unbelievable, and he was so fun to watch. He brought a different attitude, too, to that defense, you know, where it was – you could just tell they played with so much more confidence in the secondary. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I think it'll be it'll be a lot of fun to watch him, Patty, you know, a bunch of guys, I feel like, from – Rashawn, obviously, you know, declared in August. It's going to be fun to watch, watch all of them in the NFL. But, you know, before that happens, there's the – you know, the Citrus Bowl, which you didn't really even talk about yet, but we will talk about that next week on the pod. A lot of fun stuff. I know Jeremy's got great memories of Auburn from 11 years ago that we'll talk about as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you all for listening to this episode. You know, like I said, keep listening. Next week we'll have all the stuff on the bowl game you're going to want and need to know. But until then, again, thank you all for listening. This episode of the Believe in Northwestern Football Podcast. You know, for Jeremy Ebert, I'm Peter Warren. Thanks again, and have a good week. Happy holidays as well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.